Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We're coming to the end of Trevor Story Week on the Brady Farkas Show. All excited about the Red Sox' newest acquisition and their new second baseman coming over in a six-year, $140 million deal from the Colorado Rockies in free agency. And joining us now to break down that, the Sox, and so much more is an insider from MLB.com. It's Sarah Langs back with us again this year. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm very excited for the baseball season. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited as well, and even more excited after the Sox got Trevor Story, uh, you know, officially introduced this week. How do you see that signing impacting the Red Sox and their chances in the deeply competitive AL East? You know, I I really think they needed to do something. I'm sure the fan base felt the exact yes. same way, and it was really good to see them go out and get him. He's a really versatile player. I think second base will be good for him. He struggled a bit at shortstop in the last two years, and I actually think moving over to second could give him that sort of Marcus Semien-like bump. I mean, we hmm. saw Semien play uh, second base for the first time basically in his career. He played a few games previously in 2021 and go out and win a gold glove. And I think Trevor Story may have that kind of comfort level as well with the move over to uh, second base. You know, there was a lot of big moves made in the AL East this offseason. You know, I think Kevin Gosman, Matt Chapman, they go to Toronto. The Yankees make a big trade. Story, which of the, which move in the division will create the most impact, you think? Good question. I mean, I really like what the Blue Jays have done. When they went, they got Matt Chapman. Everything that they've done in this offseason has really put them to the point where I think they are my division favorite right now. But I do really like what the Red, what the Red Sox did in getting Trevor Story. I mean, the way I see it right now, I'm, the, the Rays are impossible to predict every year. We have no idea. And then they're really good, right? But I see maybe they and the Blue Jays among the top two in the division. Maybe the Red Sox are third. Maybe they're second. And then the Yankees in fourth there, Mm -hmm. which is wild. I mean, Garrett Cole is outstanding. Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, these are great players. But for the Yankees, the issue I see is pitching. I really don't think they have any reliable, proven pitching beyond Garrett Cole. So. You know, you asked about moves that were made, but I guess I'm answering a little bit in moves that weren't made. <laughs> you know, uh, looking at the Yankees and thinking of that. You know, you mentioned Toronto winning the division. That's what Buster Olney has as well, and Buster's on with us every Thursday. So he said that same thing yesterday. He's actually got the Blue Jays winning the World Series. And one storyline. Oh, yeah, one storyline in the division that I think is going under-talked about that I'm worried about is, like, how much do you think just having one playing site this year impacts Toronto? Like, they won 90 games last year being a nomadic team. Like, how much do you think just having one place to play bumps them up? Oh, my gosh. I like that you set that up from the Red Sox perspective as that you're worried about yeah. it because I think that's the way to look at it. I mean, this was a team that did so much at three sites, as you mentioned, last year. And I really think that it's not even the different ballparks. I think it's having to move your family from one place to another. And all of those sort of off-field elements to being in Dunedin, 
being elsewhere, being in Buffalo, and then finally being in Toronto. I think they'll be able to relax a lot more. And, you know, for some of the older guys, it's getting back into the routine they've had previously. And for some of the younger guys, like Vlad and Beau Bichette, who were really only up for a year before the nomadic lifestyle began, you know, it's really getting settled there for the long haul. So, you know, that maybe that adds a few home runs to everybody's hmm. totals. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it's definitely something to be concerned about if you were hoping they were not going to be as good. Sarah Langs, MLB.com with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. What's your biggest question mark right now for the Red Sox? Well, you know, I'm looking at their uh, depth chart. I was looking at that right before uh, we started talking. And, you know, I have some questions in the outfield a little bit. It's really exciting to see Jackie Bradley Jr. back and, We know how electric of a player he is, but we also know that his bat has really not been there for the last few seasons. That's sort of why he was on the Brewers last year, and now he is back. A fan favorite, a very exciting player, but there are some questions there. I love Enrique Hernandez in center field, but you have to imagine that he'll cede some of that playing time to JBJ at some point, and you look at the corners, and I mean, the depth chart right now has Alex Verdugo at the top in left and right. <laughs> Obviously, he will not be playing uh, both positions, and you have a guy like Jaron Duran, who I think is sort of a wild card there, depending how he does in spring training, and maybe uh, a little bit in the minors before he might come up. We've seen him crush some baseballs in spring training the last two years. He's really fun to watch, but I don't know where someone like him might slot in. But it just feels like those outfield positions aren't exactly ironed out yet. Yeah, along those lines, and I got, I've got i been so lost in the CBA stuff that uh, kind of how we ended on the qualifying offer is kind of, uh, I'm, I'm lacking in my knowledge of that. Why have the Red Sox not called Michael Conforto yet? We're two weeks away from opening day. Conforto has no place to play. He's got the qualifying offer attached to him. i got to assume that that's the reason the Red Sox haven't called him because they don't want to forfeit a pick. So do they still have to forfeit a pick? Because if they don't, he should be playing right field, I think. Um, I think that is still in it. You know, I'm, uh, I honestly don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, but either way, it's a very good question. I mean, you know, we've been looking at Conforto. He's really the last big name left. I wonder from the front office perspective, you know, they gave their big deal to Trevor Story, and I do think that Conforto was looking for maybe not a similar deal, but a big deal, you yeah. know upwards of 70, 80 million, somewhere in that range. So that may be sort of like a cost consideration, but you make a great point. I mean, put him in left, have Verdugo in right, and you're set. Or the opposite way, I think Conforto should be playing left, but he's played right plenty for the Mets. So uh, that's an easy solution. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. You know, apparently Rafael Devers hasn't even been approached about a contract extension. Now, he doesn't hit free agency until after 2023, but how imperative is it that they get a deal done with him and keep him in the fold long term? I mean, this is one of the most exciting young players in baseball. You know, he's a little bit older, a little bit past that sort of Vlad Jr. and Ted Keith and Soto era, but he is so important for this game. He's so important for this team. 
just so much fun to watch. I, you know, we just did our position rankings, and I was so excited to slot him in there at third base. And, you know, I think it's really important for the Red Sox to try to hold on to him long term. You know, we'll see what they can get done. As you mentioned, they still have another year to work with here, but hopefully they can figure out a way to keep him as a Red Sox for a long time because, you know, I, I feel like that, you know, the back and forth he has with Alex Cora and everything else, he just seems like a perfect fit in Boston right now. You know, we focused so much the last couple of years on the idea of tanking in Major League Baseball, and there certainly are teams that appear to be, you know, massively resetting, if you don't want to call it tanking. But overall, this does feel like the deepest American league in years to me. Do you see it that way, too? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, a team I think of when you mention that is the Mariners. I mean, I'm so excited for the Mariners this year. I'm not sure if they're going to win that division, but it really feels like they're going to finally break that playoff drought that they're working on at the moment. And you think of a team like the Twins, who went out and got Carlos Correa, got Sonny Gray, and really put together more of a team than we've seen from them in the last two years. So I think top to bottom, there's so many good teams. I mean, again, you come back to the division that you guys are in. The AL East, we had all of those 90-game winners last year, and it seems like a similar thing could happen again this year. I mean, everybody but the Orioles there really is competitive, and it feels like there are more and more teams like that just in the other divisions as well. The Angels should be better. They have Shohei Otani. They have Mike Trout coming back healthy, Anthony Rendon coming back healthy. You can probably pick out two or three teams in each of the other two divisions as well. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty exciting season up ahead. Sarah Langs, MLB.com. I'm sure we'll talk again at some point. Red Sox open up the season April 7th against the Yankees. We're looking forward to that. And Sarah, again, we'll have you on later this season. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it.